Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. This idea of Anchored is a series that we've been going through. This is the fourth week, if you haven't joined us. It started back four weeks ago when we said that God's promises are always, always, which meant God is faithful, that when he makes a promise, he is faithful to complete that, to finish that, even though that the families and sometimes our friends and the world around us breaks promises in their word all the time, God does not. The second week, we follow that up with nice and simple that we would be grounded in his truth, in his word. And as we continue this series, we said last week, Pastor Mark shared with us that to be anchored, the anchor is Jesus Christ, that he went behind the veil as the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, meaning that he went behind the veil to pay the price for my sin, for our sins, so that we could be reconciled to God. That he was a priest that on the day of atonement, he went in as a high priest to be an offering. And that when he died on the cross and suffered that torturesome crucifixion on the cross, it was for you and for me, so that we could be reconciled to God, so that veil would be ripped, separated no longer from God, meaning we could be face-to-face with God if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be anchored, and Jesus is our anchor. I have to share with you as we get into this fourth part of the series, and Pastor Mark set it up, is we don't have to live life where the roller coaster ride of emotions dictate and inform our decisions or persuade us in the way we live. Our life doesn't have to be up and down when it's anchored in the Word of God and truth. His Word is greater than our emotions. And so as we thought about that phrase, that His Word is greater than our emotions, then why is it that when life gets so messy and so, so difficult that it still feels like a roller coaster ride? And so I, I'm going to confess with you, I've been working with teenagers for 25 years. I thought, man, that's a long time. Five-year internship, when I finally graduated college, it only takes me a second to become a bit grieved of all the, the stories and, and the lives But then in the same second, I can turn and say there's this hope, and only this hope in Jesus Christ. Because as a teenager or well as an adult, it doesn't matter just the emotions of the teenage years, but as we grow up, that we're anchored in Jesus Christ, and that life doesn't have to be riding up and down, even though the winds and the waves and the storms of life come, we can rest or hold onto Jesus because of our faith in him and what he's done. He is our anchor. And you can, you can amen, and you can celebrate this, and that's what I want you to do, but this is where I'm going to confess. Over the last two days, God has really stirred in my heart, and this is where I'm just going to be faithful with the course turn in the sermon for a minute, that our nation might, may, might be, for the first time, no longer anchored to God. Uh, over the 4th of July, I sat there with the fireworks going, and it, you know, I was up close where the dust and the ash was coming down from the fireworks. But I sat there with thousands of people around me thinking, what would it mean for a a city to put their trust in Jesus Christ? And then all of a sudden, as I started thinking about the 4th of July, we, 200, almost 40 years ago, 240 years ago, we became independent from taxation and oppression and, and other, if you will, rule to be independent as a nation, but under God. And it just, it grieved my heart. I thought, what if we get to live in a time that our nation is now independent of God. What if this is the time where we have severed the anchor 
we no longer depend on God because we're so independent. And I, I know I'm new to New Hampshire, live free or die. I'm a Pennsylvania guy, and I love New England now because I was close to New England. We're brothers <laughs> with different football teams. And I'm learning to cheer on that other team that's up here. I forget. But as a New Englander in New Hampshire, I understand there's this fierce independence. And that my, my heart that grieves me is what if that independence that we have has now persuaded us, if not turned us, to be so independent that we're independent of God? And we're no longer a nation that sought not only to be independent of the other country and taxation, etc., and rules, but they were so dependent upon God. Now we are independent of everything, including God. And so this morning, I thought as we share and we'll look at this passage, go ahead and give me the Hebrews passage. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start here, and then I will go to an illustration. But in this passage, we've been studying Hebrews chapter 6. And it really started back in 13, talking about Abraham, and that God made promises to Abraham, and Abraham was patient. But we're going to pick up this passage because God was faithful to fulfill his promise. But see the highlighted part right here? It's going to say that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge. Now, I want you to hear me. Meaning God made a promise that said earlier in the passage here upon himself. And we talked about it in the sermons in the last couple of weeks because God was faithful. Even though sometimes when you hear a promise, nobody trusts. Oh, I promise. That doesn't mean anything. Our word is no longer our word. Well, God swore by an oath by himself because he's God. That's what we said in the earlier passages. But as you carry this through, because of who God is, he gave us this, this refuge, meaning turning to him, so that we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, meaning this hope is in Jesus Christ. This hope is Jesus Christ who went behind the veil, who died on a cross, so that he who was without sin became a sin offering, meaning he who had no sin was blameless, took on my sin and your sin as an offering, and then died on a cross. And then when we put our faith and trust in him and what he did and not what we do, we are saved through his work. We are saved by grace through his work and death on the cross, so that that curtain is no longer separating us from God, but now we are with God in relationship with God, reconciled to him. This hope is what I wanted to pick up, and then I will share with you, because this hope is in the world today. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope we have pizza, which I'll tell you in a minute later for lunch. I hope, it's a worldly hope that means optimism. It's a worldly hope that means Maybe, or maybe it's even positive thinking, a, a cheery disposition that says, ah, oh, it's not going to rain. But biblical hope is a confidence in the certainty of God because of who God is. Amen. Biblical hope, when we use the word hope, is not this worldly hope that just says, I hope, I hope it doesn't rain. The word hope in the Bible is a confidence of the certainty of God. The certainty is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and we put our trust and our faith in him, we are anchored for eternity. Pastor Mark will talk a little bit more about that next week, but that's the certainty is when God says he's done something and he's going to do something, you can be confident and 
certain of that promise. That's what it means to have this hope. However, my heart is not just broken for teenagers in our country. I often realize we really don't have this hope. We have a worldly hope. We have sometimes positive thinking, but we don't have a biblical perspective that it's a confidence and a certainty. And maybe, just maybe, we have severed uh, this anchor that once anchored us to God. Now, what I mean by that is we waved our flags of independence on our parade, and you guys can hear this part, that they canceled the parade. You know by now if you were in town waiting for the 4th of July parade to come through. Our teenagers and our children's ministry put together this float and had these umbrellas and these picnic tables on the float with a big grill, and we were going to cook 480 hot dogs. And we wore these shirts that said, I will double dog dare you to join us at Grace Capital Church. And we were going to pass out hot dogs or two hot dogs. Or, and as we did that, we had really asked the teenagers to pray as we went around. Not necessarily pass out the hot dog and then pray over somebody. Just pass out the hot dog, greet them, but that we would pray as we go around the city. We put this float together. We had the American flags. We had these all ready to go. And it started to rain, and it was raining and raining. And about 3.30 came, and that was the time we were supposed to line up in the park. And a couple of are we going to have the parade? And then we checked on Facebook, got a couple phone calls, and they canceled the parade. But we had it all decked out. We were ready. So we could have just packed it all up, took the stuff all back apart, and left. And we decided, why not be the only float on the 4th of July? Right? Why not be a church that says, so let it rain on a parade. We're not going in. And so as I looked at the teenagers, and if you know me a little bit, I'm like, oh, if it's raining or not. Well, you know, and they start, oh, I can't believe they can't the parade. Why not be the only float in the parade? So I looked at uh, Jay, and he's the guy driving the truck. I said, well, what do you think if we just drive around the city? Well, take it slow. Parade speed. <laughs> but I've already cooked almost 100 hot dogs here. And I thought, well, what if Grace Capital Church took our float that was ready to go, and even though it's raining, we're going to go around? Because for me, it wasn't about the hot dogs. We can have another picnic. It was about praying for our city. It was, what if our people came to know Jesus Christ, and I double-dogged there, you'd join us at Grace Capital Church. So we drove out in the parking lot, and the rain's coming down, and we're sitting in the picnic tables with the little umbrellas over. As soon as we pulled out of the church, it stopped raining. They'd already canceled the parade, but the drizzle came to a slow sprinkle and stopped. And we came and went around the city in this way, and people were lining up for the parade, and we're, it's canceled. And they still clapped us because we were the only float in the parade. All right, so Grace Capital Church, banners and all, we were the only, we had our own kind of one float parade. But as we went back around, I kept thinking, well, what if? What if it's the same thing that when it begins to rain and the storms come, that we just cancel? What if it starts getting difficult and we, we just cancel church? Well, we'd cancel parade, but could we cancel church? Uh, no, I, I want to be the only, if we're the only church standing, Amen. then we're going to circle around our city and keep praying. And I pray that all the churches gather together and we have a parade of churches. Amen. I mean, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? To say? The next parade is, even though the parade's canceled, on the 4th of July, we're going to circle around our city and pray and we'll have 10, 10 floats, but each church came up with a float and said, I double dog dare you to join us at our church because we're talking about Jesus Christ and what it means. To me, it's just a vision that says we could be anchored to God even if everyone else is not. Amen. And what if our nation, maybe, 
and repented and turned back to God. This hope that we have is because of Jesus Christ. And I have to share this in this illustration because it just, I think we have, and I mean this, it's just been heavy on me. I think maybe we've cut this anchor to Jesus Christ as a nation. We could be a faithful remnant, a faithful church, but what if our nation has turned away? I have a friend named Todd. <laughs> My wife whispered, hey, it's anchored in the ocean. We have an ocean story today. I have a friend that used to call me charmingly reckless. If you know me, he used to live his life and adventures kind of through me in our weekends. He was a very nervous and, you know, I, hard to explain, but he was one, a good friend. We were in seminary together at grad school together, and he, he'd go out fishing with me, but he used, to, he used to introduce me as, this is my friend, this is, this is Mike, my charmingly reckless friend kind of thing. And so I'd take him out, and it wasn't that he was afraid of the boats. I grew up, I had a boat before I had a car. I grew up sailing. I used to teach sailing at, at summer camp. I owned a boat before I owned a car, but I also worked on boats. I've been out on sailboat races. I'm just comfortable in a boat. Probably more comfortable than I am driving a car on the road. I like being on the water. My friend Todd, not so much. And so we took him out, and we decided to leave the safe harbor of Manchester by the sea. And for whatever reason, the fish and the, the blues and the stripers at that time out by Gloucester, Manchester by the sea, just outside of Gloucester, were really running. I'm like, we've got to leave the harbor, and we're going to take our little 23-foot boat out there into the open ocean. There's this island that I know when the tide changed called Ram Island that's just a solid rock mass. And we'll just go out there and anchor to that island. So we got out there, and as the, the tides and the water shifted, you could see more and more of the island. Instead of a small rock face, it became an, a, a large rock mass of about 75 feet. And we anchored to it. And I pulled the boat back a little bit and made sure it was snug, and then I moored the backside of it. And we just started getting the fishing gear and everything ready. Todd seemed to be relaxed, but then you could see in the distance the clouds. They seemed to be changing. A small storm, not a big storm was coming. The waves, because of the change of the tide, were outside of the safety of the harbor. Started buffeting a little bit of the boat, but I'm like, we're anchored through that rock. And then he said, well, the motor had been kind of idling. He said, well, make sure the motor is good. I go back there and he goes, oh, don't worry about it. That's good. I open up the motor a little bit, you know. I'm looking at the motor. And all of a sudden, I could see in Todd's face the panic. I mean, he went from, we're fishing and having an adventure to, he was afraid. And it came to the point where he just wanted off that boat. He actually talked about trying to get on the island. He actually just, can we get the motor going? And, and is the motor going to be okay? I, we're anchored. We're okay. You know, the waves and the, I'm actually, if you know me, I'm enjoying this. So, as Todd starts to panic, what's going through my head, if you guys have this back there, this is how I pictured this scene. It comes from the 80s because I was an 80s teenager. It was Ario Speedwagon. And this is what's in my head. Not a passage, not scripture, but it was this 80s video of riding out the storm. 1980-something. We'll get Greg up there in one of these one time. Oh, uh, that's good, guys. We can watch it another time. Now, riding out the storm, right? I'm not, am I, I'm going to ride this out. It's coming. That's just the way I'm wired. I've always probably been like that as a little kid. And I look back at Todd, and I realize he's not just panicking now. He has picked up my machete. It's a small machete, not one of those Indiana Jones long machetes. It's like a fish-cutting machete, whatever it's worth. And he takes, and he's gone over to my anchor, and he has already swung not only once, but he's trying to release the anchor. 
He's, I said, you're hurting my boat. What are you, Todd? And he's tried to release, and she knows Todd. We were friends with Todd for a long time. And he's trying to release and sever the anchor. I said, if anything, that anchor is what's going to hold us. This boat's going to make it. And he also picked up my cell phone back in the day. It was a little bigger. And it was like a command phone. You know, and he picks it up, and it's like he's calling in the command. He called in distress for rescue. All right? And if you know maritime law and, and if you've been out on a boat, once you call in and they verify it as a distress, any commercial boat or any boat out there within 90 up to 200 miles, but 90 is the minimum, has to turn in route and come towards you to, re- to help with the rescue, to assist. So the Coast Guard verifies this as a distress, and every commercial boat out there, in my mind, I'm going riding out the storm, and all of a sudden I think all these, you know, battleship and destroyers are turning towards me, and commercial men are pulling up their rigging and coming to save this little 23-year-old boat just outside of the harbor, not even like a five-minute cruise. And we get information that the Coast Guard cutter from Boston is en route, a 180-foot Coast Guard cutter. Because the harbor master at the harbor was out somewhere, and he was at a Christmas party, that's right. He was at his post. The Gloucester thing was all tied up at some fair, so they couldn't relieve. So I'm like, okay, whatever was within 10 minutes, we're now looking at somewhere between 80 to 90 miles, and the Coast Guard cutter is coming out of Boston. So now I'm, now I'm you know, excited. <laughs> and Todd has now gotten off the boat, actually, and he's on the island. I didn't share that in the first service, but he was so terrified, and because I wasn't going to release the anchor, and I'm not getting off my boat. Maritime law, if you abandon your boat, it's actually anyone that finds it gets it. But for me, it's my boat. I'm not leaving the boat. Coast Guard comes in, and they're, it's huge. They're, they're talking from a deck with all their survivor gear down. Yeah, tell us your name and your address. And they're, oh. <laughs> I'm anchored. It's my boat. Nothing's wrong. And they come in. I mean, major distress. And Todd's now on the island. And the Coast Guard leaves, takes the information. And there's this little fishing boat. A guy with the long, long gray hair, something out of a poster or a movie, on a, on a boat called Endangered Species. <laughs> so an actual commercial boat came up to me and said, you know, how can I help? You got engine problems, whatever. And we start talking. I'm like, Endangered Species? That's the fisherman, right? Not just the, you know, swordfish that was endangered at the time. And so we immediately connected, you know, as, as I'm a wannabe fisherman, and he's the real deal. And we started talking. I forgot about Todd. <laughs> we went in. Because he didn't want on my boat. And we went in, and the harbor master, who was upset and said a few choice words. They weren't Christian words. They were words where he got in his little ding and went back to get Todd about four, almost five hours later, where the island had shrunk now because the waves had changed. And... And what used to be a nice rock face was this small little Todd. You could see them with his little tackle box going, and he was more... Now, yeah, he, he did have his life jacket, so he was safe in the middle of the... But I, I share this with you because, to me, it's this perfect picture of maybe our nation has wanted to sever, sever the um, anchor. Maybe we want to get off the, this, maybe thinking, the sinking ship. But the anchor holds... The anchor holds. It's Jesus Christ. No matter what the storm is, he's going to carry us through. The truth of the scripture and the passage we go is that the word of God is greater than our emotions and that we don't have to go up and down with the waves and the seas of the storm, that our emotions don't have to dictate us. So I'm going to actually get these guys up here in a couple minutes, and I'm going to pray for us. 
Because the passages, if you go back to Abraham and you study in the Old Testament, it's chapter 22 in Genesis. Please go there. Go back and find out that Abraham continued to trust God to the point where God didn't even make sense. The part of the passage where I'd love to be able to teach more with you is he goes back and he finally gets his son. He finally gets to be a father of not just the promise of many nations, of his son. And then God says, take your son and sacrifice him. Take your son up the mountain and offer him to me. Now, I don't know what his emotions were, and you can read the Bible and say, well, he was faithful. As a dad of six boys, there's not one boy that I'm, I'm just honest, guys. If you ask, I'm going to struggle to take your boy up a mountain and say, I will offer it to you. That's why Abraham's in the Bible and I'm not. <laughs> I don't have that faith and I don't have that courage. I would love to say I would, but to take my son up and say, hey, God, he's yours. Now that I'm saying this, God's I know going to give me that opportunity. It's the God that I know. But Abraham trusted God despite his emotions and his feelings. And he said, I'm going to take my son, the one son that he has, that's the son of the promise. He made a mistake with Ishmael and the other deal and the maidservant. And now he has to offer him back to God. Even though his emotions and God didn't make sense, he looked to God and trusted him. Because God was not only his anchor. God provided, and we know the end of the story. If you do, he provided the escape goat, the, the ram caught in the thickets so that he didn't have to sacrifice his own son, but that he provided a, a sacrifice or a substitute sacrifice for the son. God has done the same thing for you and for me. He asked us to give us basically what is most precious to us, maybe our lives to him. Maybe he'll ask you something that's even more dear. Do you trust me with your son, your daughter? Do you trust me with your life? Just trust me. I'm God. I'm in control. And then he provides for us a substitute sacrifice as well. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became that lamb caught in the thickets, became that sacrifice so that we would not have to be separated from God. He provided Jesus Christ so that we could be reconciled to God and right with him. You can ride out the storms of life no matter how bad you want to get off this boat, no matter how bad the nation gets, I'm going to ask us to do something as we come to closing in prayer. It starts with repentance. I know we can talk about trusting God, but what if I often pray for teenagers? It's one of my charges. I pray by name for as many teenagers as I can. And as I've come on full time, I thought, I've got to start praying for more than teenagers and the families I know. I've got to start praying for our city and our church. And so I walk every morning, almost every morning at 6.30. I'll be in Virginia this week. But if you see somebody walking, I think, is that Pastor Mike? I've been walking around our city at 6.30 in the morning, and Dan and some others have been joining me, just praying that what if we didn't just ask God for forgiveness for ourselves and for our own families, but we started to pray, forgive us, Father, for our city. Can you ask God, forgive us for others? God, forgive us for our nation and what maybe we've become. And we repent. And so if you're capable, if you're able, I'm just going to ask you to slide forward off your chair and kneel. We're actually going to pray together and repent that as a nation, we are a nation under God, dependent on him, not independent of God. That on July 5th, we could declare that we are dependent upon God and forgive us that we have tried to cut the anchor that has so held us. That we have tried to separate ourselves from Jesus Christ 
and that we have wanted to abandon the boat. That might be trying to hang up our faith. That might be trying to get through life without him. But that we can ride out the storm and not listen to our speedwagon here, but the scriptures and the truth and the promises of God that we can ride out the storm because he is faithful and he is our anchor. And we kneel before him in confession as a people that if we're the only one in a parade, we'll be the only one in this parade. And if it rains and it storms, we're not going to abandon the boat because he's our anchor and he holds us. So let's pray together. So Lord, we kneel. Forgive us that we've tried to abandon you. Forgive me, Father, when I don't trust you. Forgive us as a city that has turned elsewhere, that we return back to you. We repent and we confess, forgive us as a nation that if we have not been anchored or we have somehow tried to cut the anchor from being in relationship to you in a nation that is under you and under God. So it is our prayer that we would turn back because you're an amazing God and still in control and you have given us a Savior and a Lord who is our anchor and hope for not just our lives but for this city, for this nation, and for this world. Lord, may you be known. Forgive us our sins, and I confess I am a sinful person amongst sinful people with unclean lips. But I repent, Lord, that you would atone, that you would make right, and that as a people we would humble ourselves and turn back to you because you are faithful and you are God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.